it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to Series 3 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the men's basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In Season 1, we told the story God wrote of how the men in our program traded the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three, ultimately culminating in a national championship. Here's Coach Tonegal in Episode 1 talking about how pursuing God first and others second translates to any context. It's just ripe for the market. I think it's ripe for culture. Because our culture wants greatness. I am third ultimately produces greatness. I think it produces greatness inside of individuals, inside of organizations, in, inside of teams, which is the exact opposite as we've talked about the, the pull of me, which I think just distorts that greatness. This series will take listeners inside each program in IWU's athletic department, sharing how each coach is flipping the world's vision of leadership upside down, instead pursuing kingdom greatness through discipleship. The terminology in each program may be different, and the application may change. But the coaches at IWU believe pursuing God first and others second is a powerful way to live and to lead in any context. Today's episode will feature the women's soccer program. Coach Daniel Seifert will share his journey to Indiana Westland, where he is beginning his first year as head coach. He shares about how he has built on the foundation laid by the previous coach and has established a creed with his players that encompasses the type of program he hopes to run. Junior Olivia Schmidt joins in the second half to share her experience as a player in the program, and we'll talk again to AD Mark DeMichael in overtime. We're joined now by Coach Seifert. Coach, can you take listeners inside your journey to get here to Indiana Westland? Yeah, it's a, it's been a, a, a really interesting journey, to, to say the least. Uh, I was actually at Mount Vernon. I you spend about 14 years of your life at a at a university you, you form a lot of really strong bonds and relationships um, but my wife who is definitely my better half um, and and she's a phenomenal coach um, we were at different universities for a while and and something that we've been praying for um, for a, a decent amount of time is is just for God to open up the doors for us to be able to do this to 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 use the sport of soccer as a ministry that we can do together as a family. And uh, when when this, this opportunity arose, uh, we, we, we could clearly see God's leading in this whole process. And so uh, just we're, we're ecstatic to, to be here and, and start this new journey together. And that comes across in all of our conversations. You have nothing but positive to say about Mount Vernon. And yeah. you obviously did a phenomenal job there and had a lot of success. But when you come into a new program, uh, and you're building off what the the former coach did. How do you even launch something? How do you get off the ground a vision and try to bring it to life? Well, the very first thing you have to do is you have to get to know your players. Um, the the players on this team, uh, the women on this team, are terrific, and they they welcomed us with open arms. And that was uh, one of the coolest things because I've always believed in the saying before. Um, the players will care to know. They have to know you care. Mm. And so being able to just build those relationships, you know, late in the spring and moving throughout the summer, um, it was really uh, tantamount in regards to allowing us to do what we want to do. So then when we come together and, and we start to build and foster this relationships, it's about establishing kind of our, our, 
our core values, you know, and, and um, I've always believed that when core values and when visions and missions come from actually the players themselves, um, there's so much more buy-in. There's so much more belief in it. Um, as a coach, I could drop and, and say, hey, these are the things that we want to work on. This is who, who we want to be known for. But it's so much more powerful and so much more, um, so much more useful, I believe, in regards to allowing the players to come up with this. So that's actually what we did. Uh, you know, the very first day we had the players split up into small groups. They, they formulated some things that they wanted Indiana Wesleyan women's soccer team to be known for. And we kind of generated our, our core values with that. And as the week progressed, as we continued to grow closer to each other and really get a vision for, you know, where God is leading this team and what, what his desire is for this team, we then uh, moved to, to establishing a, a creed, to be honest. And, and, this creed, it's, I love the Navy SEALs creed. I think it's something that is ingrained from top to bottom in every single um, SEAL that you come in contact with. They can, they can recite it. And I said, how cool would it be for, for our women's soccer team to have a creed? And I know our, our athletics department with Philippians 3, you know, that's, that's definitely something that we have as a, a, a creed kind of for our athletics department. But I wanted to establish something for our women's soccer team that that we truly felt bought into from a soccer standpoint. So it's really interesting to hear you unpack all this because your your office is right next to mine. So I've kind of <laughs> seen this develop. And the first month and a half you were here, I couldn't even talk to you because you had a different player in your office all the time. And <laughs> you're laughing and you're crying with them and you're praying with them. And I just see these relationships forming and it's so obvious that it's authentic and it's yeah. what you and your wife are all about. And then you build and we get to know you deeper in the way you, you start to take that trust in those relationships. And then you start to form core values and you come up with this creed and just how it's happened so naturally has been really fun to watch unfold. So could, would you even be willing to take listeners inside what's a part of this creed? Yeah, yeah. So like, like I said, this is entirely created from our women's soccer team. And um, it's something that we're working on memorizing so that we can be able to recite it and remember what's really at the foundation of, of our women's soccer team. But um, So yeah, so this is actually what it says. It says, we are Indiana Wesleyan women's soccer. We build our foundation on Christ and Christ alone. We will use soccer as a ministry to bring others to Christ. We aspire to hold uphold integrity in everything that we do, and we pursue excellence on and off the field. We strive to foster joy and freedom in all aspects of life, and we infuse grit in everything we do. We promise to serve our sisters always. We seek selflessness and humility, putting our team above ourselves. We are family. We focus on the process and not the outcome, and we make intentionality the core of our motivations in the classroom, in relationships, in our walk with Christ, and in being present where we are at. We are family. We are physically and mentally strong. Our fearless pursuit never stops. Together, we are one in Christ we are one in mission, we are one in love, we are one in freedom. We are family. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's really powerful stuff, and I feel like we could spend an hour <laughs> unpacking that. And I've even heard you do that with your team where you break down different pieces of it, but I'd love to go into to a word that's used twice in there because it's part of your identity and who you are, and that's the word joy. <laughs> 
you finish with the joy of the Lord is our strength. Another time you talked about fostering joy and freedom in all aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Why is that such an important part of coaching for you? Uh, I, I, it's it's a game, and we want to make sure that this game is an opportunity. It, it's a, a great reminder for us that this is an opportunity for us to worship our Lord and Savior through our our, our play and and through our ability to uh, do something that we enjoy on the field and. Ever since all these players were three, four, five years old, you know, running around, no fears, no pressures from the outside world. It just, it was out there and just enjoying this, this game that God has created for us that we can, we can go and use to really be able to, to serve him. If, if, if we, if we take all of our baggage, if we take all of our pressures, if we take everything that, that is coming from the outside world and and allow it to affect our our ability to worship him then there's so we're never truly achieving our true selves or our full selves um and so that's that's something that we have tried to establish early and often and just to remind uh, each and every player that that our identity our value is found in Christ and Christ alone and that's that's the biggest thing is if we know that our foundation our bedrock is Christ and there's no fears that should ever come into our minds. There, there should be no pressures that come into our minds because we know that we are playing this game for him. Uh, that, that's the audience of one that we're playing for. Every game is played for him. And so that's uh, definitely what we try to uphold uh, on the field. One thing that I've noticed watching you is you love to learn, you love to think, you yeah. love big thoughts, but you're also an executor. You're someone who likes to put things into action. Mm-hmm. And this creed is very missional in nature What's the implementation process look like now that you're on the ground and you have this creed? So that's a, that's a great question in regards to we can come up with theories, you know, as coaches. We can come up with practice plans as coaches. We can come up with uh, scouting reports and uh, match plans for as coaches. But how do you implement it? That's always the question. And um, we have formulated a leadership council. And the leaders on this team are phenomenal. It's, you know, seniors, there's a couple juniors and uh, sophomores, even freshmen. Uh, we truly believe that there's value in, in, in input and multiple minds working together. It's how we learn and grow and develop. Um, and so when it comes to the implementation phase, it's, it's trying to meet as a group and say, okay, what is our focus this week? How can we uphold our creed this week? What does it look like in training sessions? What does it look like in matches? Um, I've always believed in this mentality of the inward, um, upward, outward. You know, so you focus first and foremost on the upward. You know, Christ and Christ alone. Then you focus inward on how you can grow and develop yourself. You know, and and, and help serve your sisters. And then how can you go and and reach out to the community? So it's this this mindset of if we keep our focus on Christ, if we then help grow and develop ourselves individually then we can figure out how to overflow and, and serve our sisters and serve our community and serve our university. And that's really something that we tried to challenge our leadership council and our team. How can we find ways of not just growing spiritually, not just growing you know, individually, but how can we now use the gifts and talents that God has given us to be a blessing to others? So let's talk to a recruit out there, talk, yeah. talking about the sisterhood and yeah. what you're building here. Why do you believe that a recruit that has a lot of options at a lot of different levels can find something here that's unique and why they should come to this place? I, I think uh, Indiana Wesleyan, what, what we do here very well as a university is we grow the holistic person. Um, 
we know that uh, soccer players are going to be people a lot longer um, than they are going to be soccer players. And so we've really tried to grow and develop, you know, the entire person, not just academically, um, but we also try to figure out how to grow character-wise. Character development is a very big thing for us as a team that we try to figure out ways of improving ourselves. And and like I said, even spirituality, like that that's a big thing for us. We are unashamedly Christians here, you know, and, and everyone has different walks of life, which which is great, but I love to see the, the journeys that Christ brings people on through through this time together. Um, and then soccer-wise, it, it's, it's a competitive environment. Um, it really is, and I know it sounds a little cliche, but it really is a family. That's something that intentionally we put in this creed, that, that the girls put in this creed. If you hear at the end of every single uh, practice, uh, you, we are led in a, a chant that says family on three and just reminding us that we are family. We are you know, sisters and brothers in Christ, like iron sharpening iron. That's, that's how we get better, and it's, it's competitive. It is very competitive, but we also believe in autonomous thinkers. Um, from the soccer side of thing, and I've had a, an opportunity to coach at many different high levels and coach uh, national team players before. And and the coolest thing about it is to see these players learn and grow and develop themselves. I, I think that's the the most growth and creativity that you see on the field comes from when they're playing with freedom and joy, and they have the freedom to do kind of read the game. We, we really try to teach them how to be readers of the game and not just robots that you sit here and say, okay, move here, move here, move here. It's all about creating this, this ability for them to understand, truly understand the game of soccer and how they can implement that to not only play a good performance on the field, but also use it as a ministry uh, to serve Christ. It reminds me of something Coach Shonagle talks about in recruiting sometimes. It's just this comparison of signing day versus graduation day. So everyone gets caught up in the day you sign, what's the level you're going to or uh, what's the name of the school? But on graduation day, four years later, <laughs> what type of person did you become in the process? Mm-hmm. And we think too much about people patting us on the back on signing day, but a lot of those people don't even exist in our lives four years later. So who do we become? And, and that's really what you're trying to drive mm-hmm. in your program. And I think across our department, that's a common thing that we're trying to drive. So I'd like to ask you finally, as you come into this new place, uh, you're an outside observer of Indiana Wesleyan, but then you get a job here. You're working here with your wife. What have you seen that, that makes this place unique, or, or what are the impressions you have of the environment within our athletic department? Uh, it's, it's, it really is a, a brother and sisterhood. You know, it's, it's something where I, I would say the intentionality is extremely evident. Um, having coaches come in and, and just – really take time out of their lives to, to see how you're really doing. Not just the surface level, how are you doing, but no, how, how are you really doing? You know, and, and finding ways, I, I think we live, a, our department is full of, you know, professionals that want to excel the most, but the value that is focused on is not wins and losses. The value that's being focused on is how can I develop these young men and women that will help them throughout the rest of their lives? How can I impact them for the rest of their lives, and, and seeing that that commonality amongst all the programs, um, it's it's exciting, it's invigorating. You know, it's 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 definitely something to see, like that vulnerability and 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 even just that that authenticness that that is represented. So, um, yeah, I, I'm 
I know my wife and I were really excited to be a part of you know the IWU athletic department, the IWU community, um, this campus and university with all the faculty members and, and staff. Everyone just is really uplifting, very encouraging, and and they they're looking at the big picture, and that's what do we do with Christ. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an IM Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of IM Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined now by junior Olivia Schmidt. Olivia, can you take listeners through your growth in the program over three years? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest thing I've learned and grown from through the program of the women's soccer team here at Iowa I think fear is something I've struggled with a lot, just in high school and coming into college, whether that's in my personal life or through soccer and sport in general. I've just had the fear of comparison. I've had the fear of failure. I've had the fear of just letting others down. And I think coming here to Indiana Westland has really allowed me to put, um, to play with freedom and to know that fear is not from God. Um, at all and he wants us to play with freedom and for us to do our best I think there's no fear in that. You've played for two awesome men in in Coach Strader and Coach Seifert now. What role have those coaches play in this journey from going uh, being controlled by fear and then moving towards freedom on the on the field? I think the biggest thing that I've learned from them and they've helped me to grow in with the fear aspect I think they've allowed me to test my limits and to go to go past them and without fear from them. They allowed me freedom to just be creative, to make mistakes, but to know that I'm not defined by them. And because in those periods of um, mistakes or failure, I think that's where we grow the most from. One of the things you were talking to me about earlier is just how it's okay to fail because you can learn from failure. So to, to go from a point where the fear is that you might fail to now failure is okay What's the power for a player in, in playing for a coach who understands that? It's amazing. I couldn't even put into words just how freeing that is. And to have teammates that are also have of that mindset, just knowing that I can test my limits and go beyond them without having the fear of whether that's not playing anymore or sitting the bench, um, but just knowing that God is ultimately – like what, who I'm serving, and with that mindset that they've instilled in all of us, it's just really freeing to be able to play soccer and have fun and um, play in freedom. You've talked about glorifying God through soccer. How has that translated to your life off the court, off the field? What's it look like to live in freedom and to, to grow in that direction? 
yeah, that's definitely a whole not, whole other aspect that I've been learning. Um, I think living in freedom is amazing because I've always, once again, been fearful of just putting myself out there or saying the things that I should have said but I just didn't or being in relationships with others that I thought would have the wrong impression on others or whatnot um, or taking classes that I was fearful of failing or um, just really not having the call in my life that God wants me. And so I think learning how to not be fearful in soccer has really resonated in my personal life as well. Let's move to the creed. Coach Seifert talked about it in the in the first half. What was it like as a player to be empowered to come up with a creed that would live on past just you, but but really over this entire program or these words? Can you take listeners inside the process of coming up with the creed and what it was like to be in that moment? Yeah, so during preseason, we had a lot of meetings just as a team, just trying to gain chemistry and come up with different things that we wanted our team to stand for. And one night, our coach just kind of broke us all up into little groups and told us to create a creed. And a lot of us didn't really even know where to start, but eventually we came up with a creed that we really enjoyed and as a team kind of edited it and added or subtracted whatever we liked or didn't like. And to have the power to do that and to know that it's going to live on past the time that I'm here is really empowering. It's really um, encouraging. And I think our coaches just put a huge emphasis on leading from within the team. And just because he's our he's our leader as a coach, um, how every single person on our team matters and we all have a voice and our opinions do matter and we can lead within that. Coach Seifert read that creed to us and there was so much good stuff in there and I'm guessing probably different parts of it resonate with different players. So as you think through the creed, which part of it is most meaningful for you? Definitely the integrity part, um, living with integrity and just being consistent in our actions on and off the field. I think that's something that I always have really valued, just consistency and integrity in the way I live and seeing others live in that in that integrity as well has really resonated with me and something that I hope to exude in others and um, hope to set an example for. As this takes shape over time, the rest of this season – in the next several season, what is the potential for this program as they live into the words of that creed? I think the sky's the limit. I really do. I think, like I was telling you before, I think a main part of the creed is off the field. And I think it has a lot to do with your character and just our relationship with Christ and with others. And I think when you're living off the fields in the right way, in the way that Christ is calling you to, everything on the field is going to take care of itself. And we have the talent and the mental toughness and everything on the field that is needed to be a championship level team. And I think you'll see that in the next couple of years. Last question, Olivia. When a fan comes and watch Indiana Wesleyan women's soccer, what are they going to see? I think they're going to see an unbelievable amount of freedom and joy that we're playing with. And through that, they're going to see all the talent that each individual has, and I think they're really going to just see an incredible level of sportsmanship, um, which doesn't mean that you're playing any any less than um, what God has given you the ability to, but to just show um, Christ through the platform that he's given you, and I think it's really awesome. We're joined by Athletic Director Mark DeMichael. 
Coach, can you give us a quick recap of what we've been talking about the last few episodes about the pillars that we find in Philippians 2? Yeah, the three pillars of Ida B. Athletics, uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 11, are our scripture verse for the, for the last decade. And from those verses, we really strive to build our athletic culture and programs on three pillars that come from those verses. And those are unity in the Holy Spirit, humility in Christ, and servant leadership. And in the last two episodes, we went deeper in humility of Christ and servant leadership. But today, we want to go a little deeper about unity in the Holy Spirit. And I want to start with this. Talking about the Holy Spirit can be intimidating confusing. At times we avoid it. What's the role the Holy Spirit's played in building the culture here? And what are some practical ways that other leaders can allow the Holy Spirit to lead their discipleship efforts? Yeah, it is the, it's the unknown and the kind of the one that makes you uneasy of the, of the Trinity. It's easy for us to think about an image in our head of father and son, but that Holy Spirit one is a, is a tough one. But to be honest with you, Jeff, uh, the Holy Spirit is God's presence here on this earth. That's who's with us. And so everything about um, what God has done in and through IW Athletics, everything we're striving to do and the, the transformation that's happened has been a direct result of the Holy Spirit. Because that's who's with us and that's who's doing the work through us and in us. Uh, so I believe and I think we talk a lot in our department among our coaches about the power of prayer. It starts there. Uh, the Holy Spirit moves when we as believers come together and bathe our lives, bathe our situations, bathe those that God brings into our into our lives, bathe them in prayer, and just open our hearts to then his prompting and leading and, and inspiring us and giving us vision on where he wants us to go through the power of that Holy Spirit that's, that's with us. So I know there's leaders out there who are listening, and they're nodding in agreement, <laughs> but then in their daily lives, there's so many duties that we have to check off the list and the Holy Spirit can seem mystical almost. So what does that practically look like to both pray and be led by the Holy Spirit as you lead a department? Well, I believe, um, I'm a big believer in living in an attitude of prayer. Um, I think it's really critical that we get time alone with God and we, we get in a, a physical stature of prayer with Him and then listen and, and sit in meditation. I believe in that, but I also believe that when we're up and active and working at our desk, out at the athletic fields, that there's an attitude of prayer God calls us to where we're constantly seeking and open to Him. And when that occurs, if you're sitting in a meeting, I know I sit in meetings and, and someone, a coach will be talking to me or a student athlete and they'll be bringing an issue. And, and in my own person, I'm thinking, I don't have an answer for this. I This is way over my head. But if I'm in an attitude of prayer, I'll be prompted at that point. I think I need to pray. Now I can be making eye contact with that person and listening to them, but in my heart and in my mind, I am praying right now. Okay, Lord, I don't have an answer for this. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to leave me. You gotta take this over. Now I probably should have done that to begin with, but in my humanness, sometimes I need to remind myself or be reminded of that. That's walking in an attitude of prayer, and when you do that, then the way God can work in you and speak through you and even give you a thought. And I know a lot of us are instinctive. We, we consider us instinctive or we, we work through our gut. Um, if we're living in an attitude of prayer, that, those instinctive things or that gut feeling we get, that's Holy Spirit prompted. That's not just, well, I'm, I'm an instinctive person. No, living in an attitude of prayer, those thoughts and those gut reactions can be the Holy Spirit prompting. And to have confidence in that when it happens is has been a difference maker for me and I think will be a difference maker for anyone. 
How has having unity in the Holy Spirit then fueled what's happened both on the field and off the field over the past decade in our athletic department? You know, one of the biggest uh, walls that, that are created in athletics is, is the thing that makes us good at the same time, the strength, it's competitive spirit. It's, it's the comparison. Everybody wants to continue to get better and be better and win and be successful. And that competitive fire that makes so many coaches good, it can also build walls between them because then they start to be competitive with each other. And it's the unity of the Holy Spirit comes in when you get a group of really outstanding professionals, whether it's coaches or business leaders, um, whatever field you're in, and they say success is redefined. Success is not the wins and number of wins. It's not the championships. It's not the honors. It's not the percentage of sales or the amount of revenue you're bringing. Success is God's kingdom. And what happens then is you get 15 competitive people in an office suite who are being defined by the world by their success in winning, who now together define success as God's kingdom and transforming lives for God's kingdom. Now all of a sudden they share that mission and they, they share that same. And so they now are rejoicing and feel joy and success when a colleague um, has an athlete in their program that makes a life change for the Lord. So that shared mission and that shared heart for God's definition of success breaks down those walls of competitiveness and comparison and jealousy and envy and create a unity through the Holy Spirit that is, is a shared ministry. So rather than just saying winning is contagious, and that's part of the reason why so many of our programs have won, a little bit of what I hear you saying is prayer can fuel unity and even being on the same page in terms of mission and seeing spiritual transformation fuels what's happening in in the department and in some ways that's played out on the field because of the unity we have absolutely i think that's exactly what happens and you you go to the our competitive games you go to our matches our, our games and you'll see other coaches there with their families you'll see athletes from other teams there genuinely rooting for success and and not just rooting for scoreboard success but i know they're also praying for the platform that God has presented to their fellow IW athletes at that moment. And they want them to win, and they also want them to do it in a way that presents opportunities uh, to influence others for Christ. So let's go to the women's soccer prog program and Coach Seifert. And he's on the front end of, of this, and it's been so fun for me because my office is right next to the women's soccer office. And I remember when Coach Strader, who was a dear friend, left, he came to me that first day loving his players, loving this place, but just being called somewhere else. And he said, I know the guy that I want to take over this program. And he shared that in confidence with me. And then getting to know Coach Seifert over a few months, it's obvious why Coach Strader had that heart. But can you just go back through the hiring process? I know that you really begin the hiring process of each coach with prayer. And what role does the Holy Spirit and prayer play in, in guiding you to the coach that takes over each program? The Holy Spirit plays the main role, has to. And, you know, Tim said the, the same thing to me when he re told me he was resigning and moving out to California. He told me, gave me the name of the person he thought would be perfect. And to be honest with you, my first reaction was, well, you're leaving. You're not going to tell us who the next <laughs> coach is going to be. So, um, but yeah, when you start a process, the first thing I pray about is is praying for the right people to be around the table. Because I, I tell people when they ask ask me about how do you do hiring, they say, well, it's two things. Number one, it has to be committed to prayer first. Prayer is first. And two, get a committee together of people that are smarter than I am. 
And so I pray over that first and, and pray that the right people will come around the table to help in that search process. And then we as a committee spend time praying as a group corporately and then committing to praying individually on our own about that. And each different steps in the process are done some as a group and some individually. So there is a time for each member of the committee to pray over the names by themselves as they seek to give their evaluation and feedback on each candidate. And then we talk about there's a, a, a step in hiring where you use your brain. You look at a resume, you look at the minimum qualifications, and you move from there. But ultimately for us, it gets to a point where it no longer can be about the brain. It's got to be about the heart. And that's where we have to be open to the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us to have the courage to be faithful in calling someone here who may not make any sense in our heads, but only makes sense because that's what the Holy Spirit's prompting us to do. And that over time is what you would call the beginning of what's created a, a spirit of unity in our department is beginning with prayer as you put the people in the rooms and leading the programs. Right. Always starts with prayer and continues prayer throughout. And then what the prayer does is it, it gives you courage to make decisions on personnel that on paper or what the world would say don't make sense. We, we have not hired Hall of Fame coaches to bring in coaches who do not have, did not have the paper credentials at those because that's who the Holy Spirit wanted to be here. That's who God was calling here. And that, that can be scary because um, as, a, as a manager, one of the most important things we do is hire the right people. And so it can be scary to hire someone that might not be considered the right person based on their resume. Uh, but that's where the prayer and the unity and the spirit of that search committee and what's going on to bring the right people in makes such a difference. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWUHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at IWUHoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.